how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. From an early age, Donna Zakowska had an appreciation for vintage fabrics. Her childhood love for clothing led to a fascination with dance, studies at Yale, and the overall joy of a collaborative art. As a costume designer, she's, her credits include Harriet the Spy, Forces of Nature, John Adams, Turn, Washington Spies, and the new Amazon hit, The Marvelous Miss Maisel. In this interview, the costume designer talks about wardrobe as an intellectual activity, characters who say things about society, how to learn about character through wardrobe, dressing a world of characters, and how clothing brings Midge Maisel alive, along with what to expect in Season 3. If you enjoyed this interview, join thousands of viewers for the new YouTube series, Creative Principles, and make sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, well, I be began, like, from a pretty early age, um, you know, thinking of myself as an artist. And, <laughs> you know, like, you're five years old. You know, I um, did a lot of art. I had um, a teacher at an early age that sort of got me interested in art and painting and everything. And so I, uh, that was sort of always in my DNA. And then I um, went to... Uh, you know, I studied painting at the Brooklyn Museum Art School when I was like 12 and 13. And then I went to um, Barnard where, um, you know, I went to Columbia and studied, uh, you know, painting and academics, then left and went to the Beaux-Arts in Paris and spent some time in Paris studying painting uh, and then eventually went to the Yale School of Design. So it was always like a trajectory. I always loved clothing. I came from um, an Italian family. My grandmother was very interested in clothes. She used to bring home, uh, like, you know, Victorian capes and buttons and things that she would find at flea markets. So I really grew up, you know, um, sort of appreciating um, vintage, but vintage, you know, like really old vintage and, and beautiful things and fabrics and stuff. And it somehow, uh, when I, you know, became a costume designer, when I went to Yale and that became the direction, it somehow all came together. All of that, you know, childhood love of clothing, um, the sort of the physical, like I did a lot of dance also. So like, you know, the idea of cloth and color moving, it just came together for me. And it was a collaborative art, which is what I enjoyed about it versus, you know, uh, being in a painting studio. I really liked the idea that I was able to interact with actors and create things. So um, 
uh, that's the long history there. But it was, you know, very, I, I think it began at age five, so or four, anyway. When did you kind of, so it sounds like the tradition may have been more of like a, like a collector type thing. And then, you, then when did you start kind of making the designs and sketches and actually putting things together? Uh, I think that in a way, uh, probably Yale, when I went to Yale, because I'd made that decision to go, I'd really been in fine arts up until that point, very sort of strictly in fine arts. And then I, when I went to Yale uh, and uh, Ming Cho Lee accepted me into the Yale you know, program, School of Design, um, that's when I really began to deal with the physicality of costumes, the physicality of construction and what it meant. And, you know, sort of looked at clothing and studied it in a very different way, you know, rather than something that I just thought was beautiful. It Also, what was it historically? What was the message? What did it say? You know, how clothing sort of manipulates reality in a way, how people really communicate through clothing. So I would say about that time is when I started seriously um, you know, thinking about costume design as, um, you know, as not only an art form, but also an intellectual activity, you know, of um, like making statements about society and, you know, and uh, creating characters in a way. So you've worked on um, lots of movies and shows and uh, you've worked on Turn and, and Miss Maisel and, and John Adams. And obviously these these pieces have, you know, you kind of have an idea where to start because of their time period. But what do you look for in a script to kind of start to, you know, dress a character, I guess? Um, well, I think in a way, a sense of who the character is. I mean, I certainly spent a good chunk of my time doing 18th century clothing, which really began for me with John Adams, which I just you know, absolutely loved doing that series uh, because I really began to you know, see American history in a way I had never seen it before. And so that was like very exciting and, you know, collaboration. So I always, I always begin with research. There's no question about it. You know, whether if, if it's early, then you begin with paintings and historical documents. If it's something like Mrs. Maisel, you know, it's really things like Vogue from the period of photography. And what interests me is when I see a world, even more than a character, it's about I can see a world. And I would like to, as a costume designer, you literally live the world. You're in the world. You sort of embrace it in a way that you don't normally. And every time I take on a new project, it's like suddenly my interest, understanding, Everything of that whole moment in time um, is really becomes very exciting to me, and so I really begin with the world, and then within the world, I try to you know place the characters, and where, at what part is that character, and uh, if that world is very vivid and lively, and is something that I've never done, uh, you know, then I that sort of thing that will always draw me to the project, and also the collaboration, like when I meet the directors or directors and. Like I know that they're working in, you know, intellectually, especially even in the same place that I'm working. You know, they really want to help to define and redefine through the clothing the world. Uh, then I know, oh, this is going to be the journey, you know, I want to take, uh, and it will be sort of exciting for me. So with Miss Maisel, I mean, she's known for kind of, you know, looking fabulous most of the time. But are there? you know, minor changes in her wardrobe as her mood changes in episode to episode? 
there are. I mean, you know, as I say, it, it's the idea that this character is always presentational, never, even if depressed, doesn't really manifest it in her clothing. You know, it's, it really is the human spirit in a way, particularly the female human spirit. The changes do happen, like the changes happen from the way she, when she was uptown to downtown or when she does certain things, like in season two, when she goes to Paris and she has that little form of what I call stewardess meets, you know, midge look, or uh, when she's in Paris with that clothing, there's a sort of romanticism. I think in your mind with the character, you're always sort of dwelling with the character, uh, like you, you really do live it. And, you know, I always try to find the sort of uh, poetic way of expressing it and, and doing that through like shape and sort of color. Uh, so the changes come from more the emotional landscape of the character. And then that sort of manifested either in the, you know, a choice of color or the shape of the clothes. I mean, it's all on some level, it's all pretty subtle, but uh, there is, for me, I, you know, I see lots of little jumps and changes and the way that I've chosen to sort of express an episode or the character in the episode. Uh, certainly like with the cat skills, you see that clothing is so much more playful than, you know, you anything to that point. And that was for me a little bit, she's revisiting her childhood, her past, her family life. She's, you know, really sort of trying to figure out who she is in that sense. Am I, you know, Midge, Maisel, mother, you know, child, or am I this performer? Because that was a very, you know, it was a sort of big choice, especially in that period for a woman to choose a career that was not orthodox, you know, and um, pursue it. Has your kind of, over your career, has it kind of changed how much time and effort goes into the costume? I know fans are, you know, are noticing more, and like with the success of Mad Men, we kind of expect to see more. Have you kind of felt that over the years? Um, I, no, I don't think so. I think it's always been the same for me, honestly. I mean, cause I've done a lot of theater and a lot of things and I have always like, you know, every time I approach costume, I feel like I've never done it before. Like I always feel there's something new for me to discover. And my love of detail is like something that has been just characteristic always of my work, whether, you know, I was doing a theater piece that we had absolutely no money and, you know, I'm trying to, like, sort of put it together with, I don't know, practically, you know, paper costumes or something. It, it's always, I always am sort of, you know, passionately invested, I would say. Uh, otherwise, I don't see the point in doing it. You know, I would, there are a lot of, you know, um, I went to Columbia, Yale. I mean, I, I could have been a lawyer or something like that. You know, I feel like this is a choice I made. But it, I think the passion, if that were to disappear, then I wouldn't want to do it. You know, I think you have to be passionate about what you do. So something with Miss um, Maisel that I noticed, like outside of the plot, that was different. Like you mentioned, the theater. There are some scenes in her parents' apartment that feel like you're watching a play. The father's in and out. It's one long shot. It's kind of stable. How much do you work with, like you know, let's say the setting or something like that? Are you involved after the after the um, wardrobe's kind of picked out? Or are you involved there on the set as well? Well, I you know, I, I'm someone who goes to the set every single day. I go there, I make sure, you know, because I always say the most important moment is the moment right before you film. You can plan everything, and then suddenly, you know, like uh, 30 seconds before the, the camera starts running, you know, uh, something could happen, and you suddenly realize, oh, no, she shouldn't wear that hat, or let's take that scarf. So I'm pretty involved 
in it because I'm also love filmmaking, you know, and I um, started as an assistant on Woody Allen films, you know, with really great DPs. Um, and I love the medium, you know, and there's the more you do it and the more, you know, the one thing I'd say that would have changed a little is that I really began to learn how the camera sees reality versus how you are seeing it with your eye. And now, of course, you're into digital and that's a whole other way of seeing things, you know. So um, there's a strange sort of removal you have when you look at things and think, oh, that's what the camera is going to see. So it's important to be there. And I like to be there. And I feel it's sort of important. So it makes the job a very, you know, very long, endless day. But um, I think it's it's important to be there. And it's important to support, you know, the director also, like if somehow – they have a change of mind or something you want to feel like you're there to help them, you know, as much as you can give time to that. So during your, let's talk a little more about your research. Um, so this is specifically the fifties in New York versus, uh, well, I mean, there's traveling, but mainly in New York. Um, what are some of the differences as far as like what audiences assume the fifties looked like because of other films, maybe on, on smaller budgets from 20 years ago, Spielberg films, whatever they are. What are some of the differences between those our assumptions and then what actually happened in the fifties and, and kind of where do you get that research outside of film? Um, well, the thing is that I feel, and especially in New York, you know, it was a very big thing for me to not make the fifties look like our cliched ideas of, you know, poodle skirts and ponytails and all that sort of thing. I, I actually had no interest in that whatsoever. And I sort of felt like New York was very sophisticated in the 50s, and, and there were a lot of elements, you know. And so that is why, I, you know, I go to a lot of photography. Uh, it really was a place where there were a lot of Europeans. You know, downtown was really a center, you know, of uh, like um, – sort of European influences. Uh, you see that in, you know, the painting and everything. So I, the research really comes from a lot of documentation. I mean, there are certain photographers like um, Saul Leiter, L-E-I-T-E-R, who, you know, just absolutely captured that sort of urban reality, you know, and that was sort of important to me that I uh, captured that feeling of more of an urban sense of the 50s. You know, it was much, you know, uh, there are many more elements that were involved in it, and the city was like a lot more divided between uptown and downtown, and uh, you know, which isn't as true now, of course. Uh, there's much more of a blending. So I would say, you know, real materials, real photography. Uh, the, you know, these are the places that I went to, really. Uh, you know, uh, in terms of just really being able to find. Uh, what it felt like at that moment, you know, and I knew it was very different from the Midwest and very different from the West Coast. I think it was its own sort of being, you know, New York in the 50s. And and you do have all these great painters like Jackson Pollock and all of these people that, like, they, it all happened then, you know what I mean? So it obviously was a very, very dynamic moment uh, for the arts and politics and the culture. So I've met, you've done um, a lots of movies and, and, and several TV shows. And I've, it's listed that you've done 18 episodes of Miss Maisel so far. Um, so I know with there was a show, the show Breaking Bad. I know his his colors he wore over the years 
somewhat changed based on his character. They would go black when he was more evil, khaki if he were kind of mm-hmm. getting beaten here and there. Are there kind of long-term conversations with what Miss Maisel may look like? Or is it kind of season to season or episode to episode? Or how do you kind of work and think about it like that? Well, the thing is, the biggest sort of changes are, you know, the performance clothes. Do you know what I mean? How when you see, you know, the early uh, sort of uh, first uh, season, it isn't until the end of the first season that you see that black dress, which comes a little bit, you know, is a little bit Joan Rivers influenced, um, you know, but that is definitely a change. Do you know what I mean? That um, she begins to have a uniform or uh, a personality, a performance personality. Uh, our actual time span was from 58, we just hit 60. So it's not a massive time span. It's only two years. Uh, so it's a little bit more subtle, do you know, um, in, in terms of I think now where we are, and of course I'm not going to talk about the third season, but I think we do see slightly more, um, you know, someone who is really a little bit more committed to a choice that she's made, you know, uh, as, as I say, we do, it really happens in a short period of time, but I would say it's more with the way she presents herself uh, in performance uh, that we see the biggest sort of changes uh, in her character. And of course you, you saw the changes in Marion and Abe uh, in season two, we were able to sort of delve a little bit into their inner past and, you know, their inner, um, sort of, you know, um, inspired version of themselves because people often have, you know, at an early point in their life, they see themselves one way and then it sort of drifts a bit. And then, as you know, at another point, a later point, they look back on that as like an inspired moment, you know. And so that's what a little bit tried to do at the beginning of season two with Abe, you know, and his like sort of French intellectual you know, uh, look and, and Marin going back to the fact that she lived in Paris is a little bit of a practically schoolgirl quality to her clothing, you know. So, uh, you know, people are always playing with their idea of who they are as a person, you know, and the most probably fertile moment is when they're younger, you know, when they're open-minded and have, you know, sort of romantic visions, you know, of, of who they are, could be, and want to be and so, um, so certainly in those characters, because they had a little bit of a longer trajectory, it was a little bit easier to have some changes happening. So when you're watching a, a film per, that you haven't worked on, I would assume you have some other favorite costume designers that you know or have worked with. How does that kind of change your view of like the psychology of characters? Do you see, you know, do, do you kind of sum up someone pretty quickly based on what they're wearing when you're watching a film? Uh, well, I can't help but, you know, there's two. I try to first see a film and not dwell on the clothing unless the clothing is so bad and then I'm like overwhelmed. But uh, I, you know, I'm always happy and excited when I see someone really succeed in creating a character and maybe including some, you know, elements. Of course, I pick up on the subtle details that would, would not have been exactly the one I had chosen. And that's very, you know, I love that seeing someone else. Um, you know, having done something that was, um, you know, very specific. It's about specificness and it's about detail. So certainly when you see, you know, great costumes, you're like, wow, that that was a wonderful choice. And and you do, you always um, are influenced, you know, by other people's work. There's no question about it. But, you know, particularly work that you find, you know, very strong, you know, and a lot of times, sometimes very, 
the older Italian films or things like that, you know, you're always sort of amazed at the quality level of the way things were done, you know, and then or Chinese films are spectacular uh, because of their ability, you know, to um, create things over a large period of time and to be able to have like tremendous workshops in which, you know, crafts uh, are done, you know, so it, it's like all of these things uh, play a part in influencing you. So it seems like you're you're pretty busy uh, year round. But do you have, if you have any off time, how do you spend it? Do you spend time designing or or thinking about? Um, do you have like a book? Or you you kind of like, if I ever get to do this, I want to have a character like this and that kind of thing. Well, I think in a way, my brain is always in that mode. But I certainly like like to travel. You know, like after uh, season two, you know, I went to Sicily, which I had. Um, made a documentary film there a few years ago and went back to Sicily and, um, you know, just spent a little bit of time there. I always try to spend some time in Paris. I, you know, I'm very influenced by the fact that from the time I was like 17 years old, I went to Europe. I went to school in Paris. I traveled. Uh, I was like part of a little theater group, you know, in like my first year at a college, you know, traveling around in the south of France, performing because I had done a lot of dance and stuff like that. So I feel very, what influences me is just the whole world, you know, and I think traveling is like one of the best things you can do, you know, just seeing other people and see how they express themselves. I mean, the, the hardest or saddest thing that could be happening to a degree in Western Europe or the world is that it's becoming a little bit more homogeneous, that, you know, that you have certain stores, and I'm not going to specifically mention them, but that are suddenly everywhere and people are wearing those clothes, you know. And for me, you know, when people individually assert their identity in their clothing, that is, like, the most, like, fantastic thing to see. You know, it's the most exciting thing to see. Thank you for tuning into this show. If this is your first time listening, please log on to iTunes or SoundCloud and give us a rating. Providing a rating or sharing content is one of the best ways to help the series grow. Make sure to also follow or like us on your favorite platforms like Instagram, Facebook, or the new YouTube series we've started. And check for daily updates over at creativeprinciples.live.